What would you say to people to really reassure them if they feel that it is a fantasy that they would ever own a property? Because to me it is a fantasy in some respects, you know, like reading Harry Potter, great, Harry's a wizard, but Uncle Vernon owns a fucking house, you know what I mean? Like who's the real hero? <laughs> Uncle Vernon's got the house. Who cares about it? Who cares if you're a wizard? You're not a landlord, you know what I mean? So what would you say to people who feel it's just a fantasy, it's a dream? They're not convinced yet. How would you convince You've them? You've got to work out what your reality is and, and the only way you can do that is obviously being informed and, and learned and, and that will come down to doing your own research. That uh, previous Australian dream may not be the dream for, for everybody today. And that's fine. And that's cool. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if you don't want kids and you want to have dogs and you want to live in the inner city and rent, then that's cool as well. Hi, I'm Saren Jayamana, and you're listening to the Life Coach Podcast. What makes me qualified to be a life coach? Absolutely nothing, which is actually the only prerequisite for being a life coach. I always thought it's weird they don't teach financial literacy in schools. It's like, yeah, I flunked out of the beep test quite early, but maybe instead of watching Damo finish level 21, I could go learn what equity is? I've gathered a few friendly experts from Bendigo Bank to help school me in some financy fundamentals and provide some handy practical tips along the way. Just a heads up, this episode contains general information only and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Geez, I'd really love a house, please. A house white? I'm just here to drown my sorrows because I'll never have a house. Well, so we've been told. Thankfully, Matt Phelps has dropped by to remind us to take all that with a grain of burned salt and shed some light on why we shouldn't give up on that old Aussie dream too easily. We'll be breaking down the mortgage process in layman's terms and using some real-world examples to show you how buying a house can actually be possible. I think that this generation is going to really struggle across the board to own property. For me personally, without help from my parents or my brother, I just don't think it's possible for me to own a home. Not at all. Home ownership feels like this faraway world to me at the moment. It's something that I've always seen as possible. Um, It just depends on how much of a priority it is for me. Prior to being in my relationship, I never ever thought that I would be the sort of person that would be able to afford a home. Um, my mother doesn't afford a home. My, my dad doesn't own his own home. So, yeah, it's not really ever something I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely something in my horizon. I think the price of a, a home isn't necessarily reflective of, of what the average person in Australia can afford, especially in the big cities. The kind of money you're borrowing could be 12 years of your current wage, whereas, you know, Maybe when our parents were buying a house, the house outright might have been five years of their wages. So, you know, it's a completely different ratio of the kind of debt you're going into now. Even now, having gone through the process of buying land, it's still confusing. It's still not really clear what happens from here. Like, how do we build a house? We still need a deposit for our house. We still have to pay rent as we're saving for a deposit and paying a mortgage at the same time. And it's there's no rule book that says you need to do step one, step two, step three. So it's quite a stressful experience. It's very stressful. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the, the process of owning a home um, is a bit opaque to me. Um, it's one of those things I've never sort of like taken too much of an interest in just because I assumed it was so far out of reach. It's kind of like, 
yeah do you know how to do you know how to like uh scale a, an ice wall atop of mount everest it's like well i don't really think i'll ever be in a situation where i need to Matt Phelps is an area manager at Bendigo Bank, leading a whole team of lenders whose goal is getting people like us in the property market. And by us, I mean people who may not have even started saving for a home, or have started, but it just feels so daunting that it doesn't feel like it can realistically happen. So I thought it best to start with that question. Is owning a house actually an achievable goal? It is an achievable goal, and I think that comes down to what the purpose of owning that house is for. Is is it for um, an investment? Is it for you to live in? Is it a lifestyle? Um, they're all the factors that I guess um, when buying a house um, to, to consider. So, um, yes, it is it is attainable because it may not be in the area that you desire or in the place that you want wish to live in, but it might be in somewhere where you feel there in the future you may move to or um, there's a potential for uh, future growth in there and you can use that to, to then sell or, or leverage off to, to go and buy another property. I drove to Oak Flats yesterday to I had a meeting down I, I guess it's just maybe 20 30 minutes beyond Wollongong and I thought could I potentially buy a place here for far less money in Sydney and sit in Kiama or in the beach and have the same sort of lifestyle knowing that I don't necessarily have to turn up in in the office so I think it's that readjustment of of where you work um, what your commitments are, what you want personally, if, if it's somewhere where you want um, a larger backyard because you plan to have alpacas and kids or is it somewhere that you want to be um, in a city and um, know that you'll buy a smaller property like a unit uh, but you won't necessarily get as much uh, bang for your buck. I think it's a lot of those, it's those factors that they've got to yeah. think about. And you you never know. You know. Like Sydney's great but there's no blowhole. Exactly, exactly. Look, I think um, what it really ultimately comes back down to is budgeting is key. It's not always what, what you earn. It's, it's how you spend and, and what you spend as well. Yeah, cool. So that's quite – so it is an optimistic uh, picture at this stage. Um, I guess with the – especially with the pandemic, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of housing market and stuff. How do – what tips do you have for people in terms of knowing when the right time is to buy? I think it's really hard to, to time and sit by there and say, oh, well, um, the, the analyst said that uh, the, it's going to go down 30% and then um, you wait it out thinking there's a bargain and a bargain and then all of a sudden the market's gone up 40%. But I think generally, um, in my opinion, property is a long game. So if you're ready to make that commitment, um, I think you've just got to bite the bullet at that point in time and and work out if that property purchase is is right for you. Acclaimed writer and big quote guy, Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bowlines, sail away from the safe harbour, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover and use the first home buyer's grant to buy your first home. I added that last part, but he has a point. He also said on investments, buy land. They're not making it anymore. Let's go total layman's terms. Uh, let's go to, to basics, right? Um, what's the first thing I need to think about when I'm trying to decide now's time to buy a house? Where do people start? 
I think it's it's understanding why, what the purpose of buying that house is. So is this um, a step in the door for, for an investment so you can ultimately buy a house in the future or your dream house in the future? Is it a way to um, derive or get uh, passive income from, from rental of the investment? Is it somewhere that you ultimately just want to live and reside and, and um, call it a home? From there, I'd probably roughly, I'd say get a budget together, work out what your outgoings are, work out if you've got any savings and then probably engage um, with someone like a, a banker or a mortgage broker and just work out, I guess, the, the ballparks um, of what you can potentially borrow, what are the associated costs um, with owning a house or, or even borrowing to buy a house and are there any sort of schemes or, or um, I guess, government initiatives that get, can potentially help you to get into the market. On that last, last point, well, yes, there are a few great government incentives for first home buyers, depending on which state you live in. One of these incentives is, of course, the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme, which allows a first-time home buyer to purchase a property with just a 5% deposit. To find out if you're eligible, contact your bank today or tomorrow, or obviously whenever you'd like. You figure it out. I'll be there all week, eating the veal, as bankers like to do. Do you think there's a misconception out there or like a reluctance in people to kind of reach out to their parents? I, I think that's a mix. It's a mixed bag. My opinion is take the help where you can get it, right? And, and baby boomers, uh, everybody feels and, and knows that they've done well out of property because of the market cycles and they've generally been the, the generation that's worked hard and saved and, and all that kind of stuff. But there's no, if the, the help or the option is there for your your parents or an aunt or, or whomever to, to assist you in some way. And that may be in the form of um, maybe going as a guarantor what the, or uh, providing a deposit or, or helping out financially in some way um, to get into the market. That's that's definitely a conversation that um, you should be raising. Obviously, some people are a bit funny talking about money with relatives, but if, it, if you, I guess, break it down as to what you are you're very clear in your goals or what you want to establish. Um, I think there's no reason why you, you can't have the conversation. You mentioned mortgage brokers. What exactly is a mortgage broker? Um, and then secondly, let's talk about how a mortgage works in terms of numbers. Sure. So a mortgage broker is, is somebody that uh, will obviously be the conduit between the customer and, and the bank. So that they're the person that will sit down with you, they'll look at your situation. They're very similar to a, to a banker, but they just don't work directly for a bank. So they'll have access to um, numerous banks that they can uh, take your, your potential application or home loan application to and then work out which bank is, is best suited for the customer. Whereas if you're going to a, a banker or um, somebody who's a home loan manager, um, they work obviously directly with a bank and they only have one specific product or, or offering um, to that particular client. My mother always told me, if someone says to you something like, I'm very similar to a banker, I just don't work for a bank, it's perfectly reasonable to feel suspicious. Trust me, I'm very similar to a doctor. I just do it from this van. But when it comes to mortgage brokers, it's actually true. They're, they're similar to bankers and some of them do it from a van. There's various answers or reasons as to why you'd go to a broker 
versus a, a banker. I think ultimately it'll come back down to, to the relationship or, or the ability for that person to, to help you. Choice can work to your advantage, but I've always found that the, the relationship and the, the, the technical skill of the banker always comes back down to it because they'll be able to decipher or tell the story about if you're a freelancer and your income is, is patchy, that they'll be able to build a case to, to the people that are signing off on, on your home loan that, hey, these guys are good for the money. We can see that for the last three years that in June and, uh, June and July they make really good money but the rest of the year is quiet. So it'll always come back down to how, I guess, experienced um, – and knowledgeable the, the broker or the banker is. Okay, so maybe before we go too far into it, we should just clarify something. What exactly is a mortgage? So the bank has to make money. Obviously, if they lend you out the money, they're not lending it out for free. It's not like, okay, well, just pay us back in, in 30 years. Um, to, to make money, they charge um, interest on top or, or money or a margin that they wish to make um, from you, and, that, and that's calculated over a 30-year uh, term usually or a certain um, term. The, the interest component is is how you can see it is the privilege or the benefit for you borrowing from the bank itself. There's um, what they call interest-only loans and principal and interest-only loans. Here's a quick breakdown of the differences between these loans. So with a traditional fixed-rate mortgage, you make a set of repayments over a set amount of time. Your payment is applied to both the principal, which is the amount you borrowed, and the interest, the profit the lender is making in exchange for lending you the rest. That's a principal and interest loan for you. In an interest-only mortgage, for a set period of time, which may be between 1 and 10 years, depending on the loan type, product suitability and offering by the bank, you're only paying back the interest. Your repayments may be lower to start, But at the end of the interest-only first period, they're going to jump up substantially as you now start to pay down the principal amount. That is, the initial amount of money you borrowed to make your purchase. For guidance on which loan would be best suited for you, it's worth doing your due diligence, researching and getting independent financial and legal advice. I've always seen that if you've got an ability to to pay down your your debts quicker, I guess financially for yourself, um, things just may be easier it's in the gonna future. It's going to cost you less in the long run. Yeah, right? correct. And and also um, it may mean that you've got more equity in your, in your house. Um, it also gives you maybe further options in the future if you want to sell your house and, and you pay down the, your debt that you've got, I guess, a lot more money left over when, when you do make that sale. Well, strap yourself in, baby, because we have arrived at equity. This is by far the sexiest topic we'll cover. And for that, I apologise profusely. To explain equity the easiest way I can, well, equity is how much of your home you own outright, or basically the amount of your mortgage you've paid. The beauty of equity is that if your property has increased in value since you purchased it, it can be utilised to help with additional property purchases without a cash deposit, or maybe used as a means to undertake home improvements. That is, give you the capacity to borrow more money and in turn, an increase in your existing loan amount to the value of the proposed renovations. Let's say I own a property which the current market values at 500,000. If I only owe 300,000 on my mortgage, then I have 200,000 in equity. And if I purchase the property in a good market and only paid 400,000 for it, then I really only paid $100,000 to get 200,000 in equity. God, I'm so good at this. 
hypothetically. All right, so let's put some numbers to it. Let's say I'm looking at a house for 500000 It's right next to the blowhole. I'm, I'm so excited, but I've only got the 20% deposit saved. So I've got 100000 sitting there ready to go get a home loan. Have I done enough? Do I need to – what else do I need to be thinking about? Have I – Am I ready to go? Falling short, brother. There's there's reasons for that. So um, there's what you call stamp duty, and I guess that's just a tax that, that um, each state government takes for the privilege of you uh, buying a buying a house, and that's a percentage of of the sale. So again, um, look up the stamp duty calculator for New South Wales, um, and that that'll be factored on top of the the deposit. Um, there's obviously fees that may be associated with having the contract reviewed by a conveyancer or a solicitor, and on average that could be anywhere between five and, and two thousand dollars, depending upon the, the the fees and charges that they may have. Um, again, there may be fees and charges related to um, the the purchasing or, or for you to have that loan um, by the bank bills, so electricity, water, strata. If if you if you're in a unit, rates or council rates. Um, they're definitely all things that you need to consider because they're, they're, they're non-negotiables. You've got to pay these things, um, especially when you are moving in. You may have to factor um, a removalist, um, additional furniture. There may be things that, that require immediate maintenance. So all of these things um, need to be factored in. So for the young people that have their 5% deposit, why aren't more of them buying homes? Research indicates that only one in five young people know exactly how much they needed for a deposit. While the number of 25 to 34-year-old homeowners has decreased more than any other age group in the last decade, which leads to a whole myriad of economic consequences, as well as an all-time low homeowner population in the future. So say uh, I've got my deposit together and uh, I um, go to the bank. What, is, what does that process involve? I want to see that you, you've got income or a means to earn an income and that will come in the form of, of your pay slips or, or your tax returns. Um, and they'll obviously want to see that, that you're, I guess, good for, for the money in all ability to, to pay down the loan. So they'll, they'll probably see that um, in the form of you um, – saving money each month or week or whatever it may be or potentially considering that um, if you're paying rent um, that may be seen as a form of I guess false or forced savings because let's say you buy a buy a house um, you no longer have to pay rent so that rental payment is effectively your your mortgage payment. Can you tell me what LMI is? LMI is uh, it's a form of insurance so it's an acronym for lenders mortgage insurance. If you have a deposit um, that is less than 20 percent um, the bank is still happy to lend you money um, uh, to a certain point or a certain um, loan-to-value ratio, but um, to ensure that they are protected from you defaulting on the loan, they um, may take out uh, or ask you to take out an insurance policy on top of that loan, which I guess protects um, the bank from from the risk of you defaulting on the loan. And can you tell me what BMI is? Oh. It's actually body mass index, all right? So, you have, yeah, it's got nothing to do with this. But uh, <laughs> what about like real estate agents? Do you have any practical advice in terms of actually uh, not just the finance aspect of it but? Yeah, sure. Uh, there, there's definitely a, a process. You can go one of two ways. So there's an option to go through uh, people that I guess are called buyer's agents 
or um, there are companies that will specifically look and target um, investment properties. Um, so it won't be necessarily an emotional um, uh, buy, but it'll be a buy for, um, I guess, rental return or an investment. The buyer's agents, um, you, you obviously have to pay these guys a fee or they get a percentage of the sale or something along those lines, but um, they may take out some of the work by finding that ideal property for you. But just be mindful, there is a cost incurred for it. But on the flip side, um, it may mean that they've got better resources or education or um, I guess more of a, a calculated approach to, to investing or buying um, the, the property on your behalf. Um, on the flip side, look, if you've got a really good um, real estate agent or there's estate agents in in the area that you do know, I think just turn up to the open houses that you are interested in and, and try and uh, befriend them or, or develop some form of relationship and, and show that you are interested, you are a serious buyer um, because I found that a lot of the time maybe some properties aren't advertised on the market and, they, and they've got uh, a database of people that they can sell these to or they've got um, landlords that – um, wish to sell their properties or families that uh, have deceased members, whatever it may be. So I think um, it is crucial to, to definitely build or establish a relationship because a lot of the time you may not see property that you desire or want being sold on the open market. I love the idea there's someone listening who's like, all right, move further out. Yeah, I can do that. Work an extra job. I got this. Give up alcohol. All right, eyes on the prize. Make friends with the real estate agent. <laughs> I'm out. Talking to our experts across the series, you might have noticed this reoccurring advice of speaking to a financial advisor pop up every so often. As easy as that advice is to follow, a lot of young people don't believe being a homeowner is an attainable reality. Or could it be that for those with a deposit, they're intimidated or feel it might be too life-changing a thing to take on, much like me and my professional wrestling career? I think because information is um, readily available through the internet or whatever it may be, people feel that they've they've got enough that they can take on and read and that they are learned enough to make a decision. But ultimately, um, when you are looking to purchase property, it is a big and substantial investment or, or process because, in my opinion, it's not a short-term process. It, it's a long-term process, be it for investment or or ultimately to, to buy a house to live in is, is generally a 20- or 30-year mortgage. So... Um, in short, I wouldn't shy away from just um, finding the right advisor or, or the right banker. And a lot of the time that comes off the back of referrals from your, your family, your friends, or even your parents. Definitely start to reach out to people that you know who have purchased property themselves, um, people who work at the bank, a broker, accountant, whoever you feel you can get as much information to make a, a decision. In your day-to-day work, what are some common mistakes you've seen People, mate. I think I've seen a lot of people have gone to the bank. The bank has said, look, we can lend you up to X amount of money. Um, you are good to go and house hunt or, or go to an auction. And then um, they go to the auction and they end up bidding beyond what has been pre-approved or what uh, the bank has said um, that they can potentially borrow. And then they come back and they say, hey, can you get us um, some additional money? Wow, that's awkward. Can you imagine going back to the bank to grovel? How do you even do that? Uh, oh yeah, hey, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's a. That, firstly, nice, nice suit. That's a that's a new suit. Those pinstripes, man, that suits you. That's a. You're so svelte. You, man, that's. Um, can I have some more money? 
maybe there was too much of an emotional investment in in the purchasing process or they um, really didn't get a grasp of, of their reality in terms of how much they can uh, can afford. You've also got to work out your limitations or, or your earning capacity and being really, really realistic with what you earn. Um, if it's coming down to that you're planning to have a family, um, make sure you've obviously got provisions for maternity leave or if, if your partner um, isn't working for that period of time um, that you've got money set aside. I think all of these things come back down to, to, to budgeting and that'll depend upon um, your life stage or where you're at or what you're currently wanting. If you're scared of buying a house because you're worried that it's going to just drop in value after you buy it or something's going to go wrong, is there any way you can manage that? I think the, the best way to manage that is to, one, be pretty patient and resilient and, and to, I guess, understand that um, once you get a home loan, this is the commitment for a period of time and um, do you have the ability to meet that commitment, i.e. pay your, pay your loan back irrespective to what happens um, with, with the property price itself. And again, that'll come back down to um, exploring property as a means to create um, wealth or derive an income. It's one means if, if that's how you're looking at it. But I think there's there's other um, ways to, to explore how you can um, earn an income or, or invest. And again, that could come in the traditional sense of, of shares or bonds or golds. But there's, there's other ways and means that you can make, um, make money or investments. This bit actually reminded me of something Dee said to me back in our episode on the psychology of money. In terms of advice for um, those that feel that um, home ownership may still be out of reach, um, I think it comes down to focus on what you can control um, and focus on the immediate next step. And so what you can control is setting a realistic goal um, and, and getting your savings in order and work that goal and work that plan, but also be open to assessing what good looks like for you, that it may not be the same as what it was for your mum and dad and it may not be the same as what it is for your friends or, um, you know, Bob and Mary down the road. Um, It's okay to make a different choice around what success and happiness means for you and set your goal around that. Fortunately for me, success means recording a podcast and happiness means eating cold pizza in my kitchen wearing nothing but a sarong. I guess the only thing getting in the way of me being successful and happy is professionalism. Back to me and Matt. So the kind of essence that I'm getting is like it's not an impossible dream but it, it you're thinking about it or people might think it's impossible because they're jumping straight to the end and they can't see the, the dots that join to get you to that end they just see the end and see that they'll never be there but realistically the idea is just trying to get your foot in the door and then once you've done that you start to get yourself in a position where you can open up more doors yes agreed i mean that's the that's the idea the idea is to use your um property and and your ability to pay down the debt as a, as a means or a future means to um, build wealth. Um, it is a long game. It's not a short game. Um, you've just got to be really patient and, and you, I think that's how you have to look at it um, as a long game and, and as a staged approach. You've got to work out what your reality is and, and the only way you can do that is obviously being, um, I guess, informed. While this feels like a nice place to reflect, feed the ducks and talk about home ownership. 
Buying a home is a great big decision and everyone's motivation to get into the market is going to be varied. Whether it's to live in, to raise a family in, as an investment, or to fly in your mate's face and say, hey, sucked in, Jeremy, I bought a house, and no, you can't stay over. Whatever the reason, it's a decision that requires a good look inwards as well as outwards in coming to your own conclusion. And I think as a generation, Dee had some choice words of wisdom to offer on this. If goals are rebalanced to the current reality and, you know, setting realistic goals, goals that are still aspirational but are achievable, then there's no reason why the younger generation can't achieve what they set up as success for themselves, which may look very different to what um, our parents deemed as successful. And that's okay. Thanks, Dee. That's actually good news because my parents' idea of success was very different to recording a podcast while eating cold pizza in a sarong. They were more into rice and radio plays. Anyway, back to me and Matt. So it sounds to me like there might be a bit of a legacy mindset that it's inaccessible, but if, if it's something that you really want to do, you can start taking steps today to be able to get there. And it might take a long time to get to the eventual dream goal, but if you make the steps today, you can. It, it's not a doom and gloom story. Yeah, sure. Exactly. You, you've got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's right. One of our episode titles is a Snoop Dogg lyric and Matt has just now quoted Ice Cube. I'm proud to say that this is the only bank-endorsed podcast where a commitment to enhancing financial literacy is supported by vintage rap lyrics. Stay tuned for next week where we talk about the gig economy with a little help from the Ying Yang twins. Would you say like the Australian dream of, of a picket fence and the, and the house and all of that, it's a bit more flexible now? That, uh, if anything, Australian dream may not be the dream for, for everybody today. And that's fun. And that's cool. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, if you don't want kids and you want to have dogs and you want to live in the inner city and rent, then that's cool as well. So the good news is buying property is definitely attainable. The catch? Well, for many of us, living and working in cities means it's most likely going to be a case of working your way up to that dream house. The first step is a mindset shift. If your dream house or a home in your ideal location isn't realistic right now, don't count yourself out of the housing market. Instead, it's perfectly reasonable to think of property as an investment, something that can earn you a return in the short term and something that might help you build some wealth in the long term. So what does that mean? Well, maybe today you decide, you know what, I am going to try and buy a house after all. So you sit down and you make a budget. You set aside a little money each month or each paycheck. You start researching areas, maybe with the help of a mortgage broker. Areas where the property prices are within your range and there's likely to be some growth. You butter up your parents. Once you've got your deposit together, plus a little extra for stamp duty, for furniture and other considerations like conveyancing fees, council rates and bills, Your mortgage broker helps you seek pre-approval. If the time's right for you, but you're not quite there deposit-wise, you might arrange LMI. The property might be a little further out, but could be the stepping stone you need to make your dream a reality. In time, as you pay back your mortgage, you'll start to have equity in the property. This equity represents what you own in the property and will help you the next time you want to borrow if you want to buy something bigger or closer to your ideal location. As with our previous chats, Matt was really adamant that you need to chat to an advisor. Chat to people around you who have bought property, 
Seek recommendations for brokers, accountants, and people at the bank. Get advice and information that will help you make a decision. But the bottom line is, when it comes to planning for the future, nobody should be ruling out property as an option. Finally, what would you spend your last 20 bucks on? You could kebab. Like are you talking late night post a few drinks kebab or are you talking like? I'm talking about a kebab that it is late night but a joint where you can at least get the real meat. So you know how you can get the shish on, on the on the Turkish style. That, that's yeah. the type of kebab I'm looking at. Yeah. That's yeah, the quality yeah. of the kebab that you need, man. No mystery meat. No. Yeah. Cool. Well, I like you. I mean, I, I, like, I already I like did too, but man. now I like you even more. Thanks so much for coming along. I think, uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like uh, I'm a step closer to stepping into the property market. Massive thanks to Matt and all our contributors. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Bendigo Bank Official or tweet us at Bendigo Bank. Feel free to check out our other great episodes on everything from the psychology of money to a beginner's guide to investing or how to survive COVID. Well, financially anyway. You can find out more about everything we've spoken about today at bendigobank.com.au forward slash life coach podcast. A quick reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the relevant individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank Group. The information contained is current as at November 2020 and is subject to change without notice. Before making any investment or financial decision, you should seek independent advice and read the appropriate disclosure documents. This podcast was created for Bendigo Bank by Subversus and written and produced by Tanya Barbic, Jason Sukadana and me, Seren Jayamana. Also produced by Holly Jane and junior produced and researched by Tom Atkinson. All recording and post-production by Versus Studio.